to see you this morning, and it's great to see your bright, shiny faces. Are you glad to be here today? Man, me too, me too. So thank you if you're on campus or if you're online. Man, we are so glad that you're worshiping with us uh, today. Now, a couple of uh, years ago, there was an app that was going around that everybody was using. I mean, I saw this all over the place. People were doing this and posting it on all their social media. It's called the Face App. And basically what you do is you take your picture and then through this app, it actually ages you to show you what you might look like, you know, when you're old, okay? And so like people are putting all their old selfies like on Facebook and and Instagram and all that kind of thing. Uh, And and it's kind of scary, quite honestly, to look at that and go, oh, you know, that's that's what what it's going to be like uh, sooner than later. And so I thought maybe just so you guys would know what to expect about your staff. You know, everybody looks at our staff so young. You know, they're so hip and cool, you know. But just wait. This is what they're going to look like. So let me give you this. This is uh, Chris and Skyler. I'd have to say that Chris doesn't age quite so well uh, as, uh, as some might. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, Josh and, uh, I mean, this is MJ and Angela. And so uh, this is what they will look like in uh, a few years. I don't know, Angela doesn't look that much different, but uh, MJ, wow, that beard. Okay, all right. Uh, here's another one. This is uh, Josh and Melissa. Oh, don't they look so cute? And then this is what you can expect. He looks a little bit like Grizzly Adams. I don't know, that, that beard is a little unruly uh, there. Uh, and then, uh, oh, uh, Johnny and Alicia, don't they, aren't they cute? Uh, here's, yeah, woo! Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what age is going to do to him. Uh, wow, okay. And then this is, this is me and MJ. We're in Israel uh, last year, and great picture. Uh, this is what, yeah, that's what we're going to look like next year. After the 2020 uh, coronavirus outbreak, we aged a little bit there. Uh, yeah, so, you know, people are scared to death about getting old. I mean, we're, we're fixated on it, right? We, we don't want to get old. We do everything we possibly can to not get old. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of people do a lot of different things to stay young. We'll, we will uh, we'll try to eat right. We'll try to exercise, and that, that'll keep you young and, and strong. And then some people take that to another level, and they and they will, uh, you know, they'll put on some makeup, you know. It's a little, little concealer action, a uh, little, uh, little powder, a little makeup. You're just, a, you know, maybe some skincare products to get rid of those dark spots and all that kind of thing. And then uh, some people take another step and they'll do a little, little Botox, you know, a little, little smoothing out the wrinkles, a little puffing out the places that sag, you know. And then some people take it another level and they're getting tucked and, and pulled up and uh, tightened up and all kinds of stuff. You know, we do everything we possibly can to not get old. But the truth of the matter is, age is coming, right? It's coming to every one of us. You can't stop time. And our bodies just age. Well, that's what Solomon is talking about today. Solomon is an old man at this point, And he is, he's been talking through this whole book about his experience in life and what really matters in life and what the meaning and purpose of life really is. And honestly, he's writing to a younger audience and he's basically saying, I've lived this life and I've learned some things and, and don't follow my example. Listen to my words about the meaning and purpose of life. Now, 
the book of Ecclesiastes, we're wrapping it up today, but just as a reminder, the whole book is really about uh, the purpose and meaning of life, and this is what this is his main point. He starts in chapter one and he goes all the way through to the very end with this main idea. And that is this, that life under the sun, that phrase which repeat over 30 times in the book, under the sun means living from a earthly perspective, living from a ground level perspective, living uh, as if God is not in the picture. If you live your life like that, ultimately you will find your life is meaningless. If you think that next job or that next career move or that next relationship or that next experience or that next bonus or whatever the thing is that you're chasing, if you think that thing is going to make you happy and give you satisfaction in life, Solomon is saying that is an empty road that's going to lead you down a meaningless path. No matter what you're pursuing, it will leave you empty-handed. He said, however, if you live life for the Son, if you live your life for Christ, if God is in the center of your life around which everything revolves, then you're going to find meaning and purpose in life. And just like a, a good attorney, he's been laying out his exhibits, A, B, C, D. He's been sharing his experiences. He's been unpacking this for 11 chapters. And now we get to chapter 12. And if he's, a, if he's, an, if he's an attorney that's making an argument, these are the closing arguments in chapter 12. He is bringing it all to conclusion. What am I trying to say? And he's bringing his final point, his final thought, his final word on the meaning and purpose of life. So get your Bible out. Open up to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12. And I guess you could write over the top of this chapter how to have a meaningful life. How to have a meaningful life. Because really here, this is what he said. If, if I were to have one final word with my daughters, if I were to have one final word for you, if, if I, I just had one thing I could say, I believe this would be it. This is a summation. This is the culmination. This is the, uh, the apex of what he's trying to say. He's, I'm pulling it all together and I'm telling you, this is how you have a life that's meaningful and joyful and purposeful. And so let me give you the first thought. I was going to give us a couple of thoughts here. Write this first thought down. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Look at, look at chapter 12, beginning of verse 1. This is the Word of God. He said, So remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come and the years approach, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Underline that word, remember. Remember the Lord. That means to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to revere the Lord, to pursue the Lord, uh, to make God first in your life. He said, give your best days to the Lord while you're young. Give your best days to the Lord while you're young. Remember the Lord in the days of your youth. And then he goes on to say, before the days of adversity come. You know, getting older has its own adversities to it. Getting older is not easy. You know, you've heard somebody say, you know, getting older is not for sissies. And there's a lot of adversity and trial that comes with aging. Some of that trial comes in a sense of guilt. You know, a lot of people, as they get older, they just look back on their life. They spend a lot of time reviewing their life and thinking back on their life, and they have a sense of regret of things that they did or maybe some things that they did not do. 
and they carry a burden of weight of guilt for the things that they did or did not do in their life that they simply can't change some part of the adversity of aging is just the physical toll that aging takes on us and we're going to see more of that here in just a minute some part of the adversity of aging too is just a, a sense or feeling of uselessness like man i used to be the go-to person and now nobody comes to me anymore i i used to be known and nobody knows who i am i used to be the the ceo of the company i used to be the go-to guy i used to be that and and now you know i'm a has-been i'm i'm over the hill you know and by the way god never sees anyone that way do you know that never when you think about the men that God used, the women that God used in a powerful way, many of them were senior adults. You know, Moses was 80 years old when he got the call of God at the fiery bush to go set the people free. Abraham was 99 years old when he had a son. You try that, all right? 99 years old you know, when he had Isaac, but the son of promise came through him in his older years. John was an old man when he wrote down the book of Revelation and God revealed to him the things that were to come. So no one is ever useless, but there is a sense of that when we get older. I remember I have one older man and he would say, do you remember me? Do you know who I am? He just felt useless. Now listen, Solomon is going to talk about getting old and, and it's difficult but it is for a purpose. And let me just say, the next verses that follow here are some of the most creative, some of the most poetic, uh, some of the most uh, beautiful, and yet brutally honest verses in the Bible about aging. And yet, hold on to it because he is driving to a point. He's saying, remember the Lord when you're young. Don't wait, yeah, when I get old, when I retire, then I'll start walking with God. No, no, no. Do it now when you have your best years and your best of your life. Give it to the Lord. So look at what he says. He's saying, remember the Lord. Look at verse 2. Uh, Before the sun and the light are darkened, and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. He's describing age. And many scholars believe he's talking about the mental fog that comes when you get old. When you get older, you just don't remember things like you used to. You know, the, the, the processor doesn't, you know, the, the spinning wheel spins a lot more uh, when you are uh, older. I, I had a, a good friend of mine that had a birthday this week, and I called him up and said, Happy birthday. How's your birthday been? He goes, Well, I've spent the last hour trying to find my keys. All right? And that's all of us, right? I mean, an hour. I don't think he found them yet. But, you know, yeah, he's looking for his keys. And that's all of us. I don't know how many times I've been walking through the house and I said, I cannot find my glasses anywhere. Right? I've been looking for my glasses. And sure enough, Liz's like, okay, try your head. Or, oh, yeah, there they are. You know, or have you ever, like, gone upstairs and you're like, okay, I know I came up here for a reason. <laughs> Maybe I'll just sit down here and think about why I might possibly have come up here. We all face this kind of mental fog in life, and some people say that that's some of the first to go, uh, but we all uh, deal with that. And now, now Solomon's going to take that, and he's going to pivot. You're going to see here in verse 3, and he's going to describe your body like an old house, like an old mansion. It just as an old mansion had its prime when it was built and when it was at its best, and now it's starting to wear and tear and age Look at verse 3, he said, On the day when the guardians of the house tremble and the strong men stoop 
and the women who grind grain cease because they are few, and the one who watches through the windows see dimly. He's talking about our bodies. The, the, the guardians here are our arms, you know, our biceps, our shoulders, our arms that we use to, to protect ourselves and to fight back and defend our families. He said, eventually when you get older, your arms aren't as strong as they used to be. You can't lift what you used to lift. In fact, your hands and your arms may shake due to your age. The strong men here he's talking about are your legs your, your, that you plant into the earth, and it gives you strength and power in your legs, your hips. And yet when you get older, you know, your, your knees buckle and your legs ache and your feet hurt when they hit the floor in the morning, and you're just not as strong as they used to be and maybe even stooping over a bit where you used to not do that. The uh, grinders, of course, those are your teeth, right? And it says, and they are few, all right? When you get older, you just start having dental problems, you know? So I got to get this teeth pulled. I got to have this root canal. I got to have, have this bridge done, you know? Eventually, you put your teeth in a glass, you know? I mean, that's just what happens. As you get older, you, your grinders, your teeth begin to become fewer and fewer and fewer. Then it says the windows you see through them dimly. Of course, those are your eyes, you know, and so you start wearing glasses. I remember the first time I had to have glasses. Then I remember the, the next time when I went and they said, oh, you're going to have to have progressive lenses. That sounds a whole lot better than bifocals, doesn't it? They're progressive lenses. I, I don't, I, and I guess they progressively get stronger uh, as you go. Some of you got readers in every drawer in your house, right? Where did I put my readers? You know, you got them in your car because you can't see anything. You know, or maybe you're not driving at night like you used to because you don't see as well as you used to. That's what, that's what Solomon is talking about here. All this are the effects of aging. Look at verse 4. He continues. The doors at the street are shut while the sound uh, uh, of the mills uh, fade when one rises at the sound of birds. He talks about the front door. This is the mouth. And as you get older, you just your mouth hangs open. And uh, it's hard to keep that thing closed the older that you get. And, and the grinding, the sound of eating, you just lose your appetite. You don't eat like you used to. You don't have the desire to eat like you used to do. Uh, it says here that one rises at the sound of birds. You don't sleep good either. You don't eat good. You don't sleep good. You get up, you sleep in erratic times. Uh, Liz used to have a, a granddad that would come over to their house sometimes at 2.33 in the morning. He'd just walk in the front door and get into the kitchen and start making breakfast at 3 in the morning. I mean, we hear banging going on. What's that? Oh, that's just Uncle, you know, our granddad, Odie. You know, he's in there cooking breakfast at 3 a.m. Why is he doing that? Because it's just his clock is off, you know, he's just up. You ever notice that you, you can't sleep very well and, you, and then all of a sudden you're getting up early and you used to not be an early riser and now that you are, that's just part of aging. And then look, he says, all the daughters of song grow faint. That's our ears. You know, you just don't hear. You, you find yourself going, what'd you say? Uh, a lot. Or could you turn that up? You know, when you, when you leave the closed caption on TV all the time, you know that's a sign, right? Something is happening. When people say, you know, uh, I saw this ad for hearing aids. You might be interested in that. Uh, let me tell you what, age is knocking on the door, right? He says that's what's happening in all these things. Look at verse 5. 
He said also they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. You know, fear is really a predominant emotion as you get older. You become afraid of a lot of things. You're afraid of, of heights, as he said. You're afraid to fall. You're afraid to trip. You fall and break a hip, and you end up in the hospital. You're, you're afraid of, of being alone. You're afraid of what the future holds. You're afraid of just feeling vulnerable when you go to the mall, and, and, and you know you're older, and uh, will somebody try to take advantage of me? And so there, there's a natural fear, and that's what Solomon is talking about. Look at verse 5, it continues, uh, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring, and the caper berry has no effect. Uh, when an almond tree blossoms, it turns white. And so it says your hair just turns white, or it turns loose, right? Uh, one of the two. And, and so you, you just, you, your hair turns white, your beard turns white, your hairs on your arms and legs turn white. Uh, he, he says here that... Uh, you know, the grasshopper loses its spring. In other words, the grasshopper used to just jump, and now you don't quite have the spring that you used to. You used to hop out of bed. You, know, you used to get up and go, and then now your body goes, whoa, whoa, slow down. Slow down, buddy. You know, you just move slower. Your body creaks. When you stand up uh, off the couch, you're just going, oh. You know, somebody said that when you get older, everything hurts. But that's good because that's a reminder you're still alive, right? And, and so you just have lost your, your spring, your physical enthusiasm. The caper berry was used for enhancing sexual drive. And so he said, you just, uh, so many translations translate it, uh, a loss of desire. So you just don't have uh, the sexual drive that you used to have. All these things that he's pointed out here is just this, the, the feeling or the, the reality of getting old. And, and this is coming to all of us. It's coming to every one of us. Look at verse 5. He says, For the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home. The mourners will walk about the street before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken and the jar is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken into the well and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. He's talking about death. He uses words of finality like broken and snapped and shattered. Some think the silver cord uh, refers to the spinal column. Some think the golden bowl refers to the heart or the brain. We really don't know exactly what he's saying, but he's using terms of finality. He said, finally, at the end of life, you die. Now listen, this is just the reality. Solomon is, is just saying the facts that every one of us are going to die at some time. One thing I know for sure is that every one of you will have a funeral. None of us are going to get out of this thing alive. Life as we know it is 100% fatal. And he said, when that happens and your body decays and goes to dust, he says, you will then go to your eternal home. That means that when you die, that you go somewhere, that death is actually a doorway to the afterlife, and you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Where will you spend it? What will happen to you after you die? That is the most important question that anyone can answer. And so look 
Hebrews 9, 27 says, It is appointed a man once to die, and after that to judgment. And this is exactly what Solomon is saying. Every one of us are going down this road. Every one of us headed down this road. And we're going to face God. And so look at what he says in verse 8. He said, absolutely, absolute futility, says the teacher. Everything is futile. And this is really, he ends where he started with this claim of life is futile. Now listen to me what he's saying. This is really important. What he's saying is this. If you have lived your whole life pursuing that gain, pursuing that job, pursuing that person, pursuing that experience, pursuing all these things this life has to offer, that when you get to your old age and when you finally die, you will realize that you wasted your life, that your life was empty. And so remember, he's talking to younger people and he's saying, listen, listen, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. When, listen, when you are young, when you are vibrant, when you have energy, when you have passion, when you have strength in your body, when you have all of this, remember God, serve God, walk with God, know God, give him the best years of your life. Because all of us are going to get to a point when we can't serve him the way we want to. There's some people that have looked over the young years and they've said, you know, I really wasted my life. I chased all these things. I found it to be empty. And it's now that I, I'm older, I realize that. And I'm giving the rest of my years to God and praise God for that. As long as you have life and breath, you can serve him and glorify him. But Solomon is saying, don't wait till you're older. Don't wait to you give him the rest of your years, give him the best of your years. Give it to him while you're young. If I could look at my girls, put my hand on theirs, I would say, serve God and love him now. While you're young, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord, remember the Lord, and walk with him. So he said, you want to live a meaningful life? Remember the Lord. Second thing he says, if you want to live a meaningful life, is to follow the Lord. Look at verse 9. He says, in addition uh, to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. Now stop right there. Solomon is, has been kind of the teacher through this whole book. He's been the one giving advice. He's been the one giving instruction. And now he steps out of that and he talks about himself. And he says, listen, I've been writing these things down out of my own experience. I've been writing these things out of my own research and the wisdom, the supernatural wisdom that God gave me. And what I'm writing down in this book are words of truth. They're words of truth. And you say, well, why, Solomon, did you even do that? Why did you write this down? Why are you writing these words of truth? Well, look at what he says in verse 11. These sayings of the wise are like cattle prods, and those from master's, uh, master's collection are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd. And what is he saying? Okay, back in ancient times, still even today, uh, shepherds, uh, they would oftentimes have a stick with them. Many times that stick would have a sharp end on it or maybe a nail on the end of it. And they would use that stick to guide the sheep, right? Some, that poke isn't there to wound the sheep. They're not going to kill the sheep or wound it. It's just going to hurt enough to get your attention, right? To, to move you back onto the path that the shepherd has. That's the idea here. 
And so what he's saying is that these words are given to you to get your attention. Sometimes God's word will sting. Sometimes God's word will confront. Sometimes God's word will, will hurt. I mean, you don't want to listen to that. I, want, I don't want to deal with my sin. I want to deal with, I don't want to make this correction. I like the direction I'm going, but, but you have a shepherd. In fact, this place, I circle the word shepherd there. The word shepherd, this is the only place in the book of Ecclesiastes where the word shepherd appears. And many translations, it is capitalized. Is it capitalized in your Bible? It's capitalized because it is a reference to God. He's saying, you have one shepherd, and he's the one that loves you and cares for you, and he's got a direction for your life, and these words that I've written down are really a a sharp stick to keep you from wandering off his path and to stay following your shepherd. Solomon's daddy wrote in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leave me beside still waters. He refreshes and he renews my soul. And he said, you have a shepherd. Listen to me. You have a shepherd. Do you understand that? Jesus in John 10 said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. You've got a shepherd that loves you enough to lay down his life. And not only does he do that, but he also gives you his word. And yes, sometimes you sit and you listen to a message, you go, ow, man, that that hurt. I I don't really like that. I don't want to hear that. And yet it is God's word. It is God, the shepherd, uh, through his word, trying to move you back onto his path. And so you have a decision to make. What he's saying is you got a decision to make. When you're young, you can decide to go your own way and do your own thing and ignore the prodding of your shepherd. Or you can follow your shepherd. So which one is it? Are you following his word? Are you doing your own thing? Listen, not only remember the Lord when you're young, but follow the Lord. Be be receptive to what he's saying to you. You know, when I was reading that, I was thinking about, my mind immediately went to, in the book of Acts, when when, uh, the apostle Paul, who God used in a tremendous way, Uh, The Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus, and uh, he was going to go persecute a lot of Christians. And Jesus shows up, and Jesus encounters him, and he said these words. He said, why? No, he said, it is hard to kick against the goads. The goad, uh, uh, you would goad, the shepherd would goad, you would, would try to direct that sheep with that stick. He said, and it's hard life when you're constantly kicking and resisting and refusing what the shepherd is trying to do. Some of you may be doing that right now. Man, it's hard when you're constantly resisting. God's been telling you to go and do something and you have not done it. God has told you to call that person and make it right. And you've not done it. God has told you that that relationship you're in is ungodly and it does not honor God and you're still in it. God's told you to stop that habit that you're doing because it doesn't honor God and you're still doing it and you're kicking against the gold. You're resisting what God is saying. And he's saying, listen, when you do that, you're wasting your life. Some people waste their whole life resisting the shepherd that loves them. Are you resisting the shepherd that loves you? As he prods you and he prompts you with his word, are you listening and receiving and, and, and quickly correcting? If you want to live a meaningful life, you've got to remember the Lord when you're young, but you've got to follow the Lord now and be responsive to what he's doing and the direction he's leading you.
And then he says this. We're just about out of time. Let me just wrap it up here. Uh, He says, remember the Lord. You want to have a meaningful life. Follow the Lord if you want to have a meaningful life. And then this last one is you've got to fear the Lord. Look at verse 13. He really comes down to the end now. These are the last words of the book. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. He said, you want to have a meaningful life, you need to fear the Lord. And then he goes on to say, for this is the whole, some versions, you might look in your version, uh, some versions say it is the whole duty of man. Uh, I think maybe King James Version said, puts it that way. The word duty is not there. It literally is translated, it is the whole of mankind. It is the whole of humanity. In other words, what he's saying is this, that this is what life is all about. This is what it's all about. It's not about being famous. It's not about being popular. It's not about uh, having a lot of money. It's not about enjoying all these different All that's distraction. All that is hovel. It's empty. It's smoke. It's vapor. It goes away. What life is really about is to fear God. To fear God. And you're like, well, man, I don't like that. I mean, I like love God. I like uh, worship God. I like a lot of other, but fear God. I just don't like that. But what, let me tell you what that means. Fear God means, first of all, it means that you revere him, that you recognize him as God, that he is the ultimate authority in your life, that he's the one to be worshiped, he's the one to be glorified, he's the one to be acknowledged above all things. So fearing God means to acknowledge that God is God. He is above all things in your life, and you give him first place in your life. I don't have time to do this, but man, if I could, I would go back to Romans. I'd talk about in Romans chapter 1, it says that uh, people that, that are wasting their life, they suppress the glory of God. They ignore, they do not give him glory. They do not acknowledge him. But to fear God is the opposite of that, is to acknowledge God. God, you are God. You are in charge. You are boss. And I'm going to surrender my life to you. That's what it means to fear God. But it also means to go another step, and that is to obey him. Look at what he says. To fear God and keep his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I've commanded you to do, that you are, you are willing to trust him. It goes back to that following, right? That you're, when you're prodded, you move. That's fearing the Lord. But it also means this, and I want you to hear me very carefully. Fearing God means to be prepared to meet him one day. Look at verse 14. God will bring every act to judgment. See, the Bible says in Romans 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I want you to listen to me very carefully. These these are very important words. Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Each of us are going to stand before God one day and give account of our life. Jesus said in Matthew 12 that even every spoken word Every word that has come out of our mouth will be evaluated on that day. Every hidden thing. What's that going to be like? John draws a picture of it in Revelation chapter 20. He paints a picture of that day, and this is what he said. Then I saw a great white 
throne and the one seated on it. And earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Can you imagine that? It's coming one day. He said, there's going to be this great throne and and Christ is on the throne to judge the world and, and earth and heaven can't even stand in his presence. And the dead, great and small, will come and stand before that great throne. And if you go on and read in what John says, he said, there are the books that are open, the books of good works, and men and women will be evaluated by their works. But that work is not enough to get them to heaven. That work is not enough to atone for their sin. Their work is not enough to make it right. And then he said, there is the book, the Lamb's book of life that will be open. And he said, only those whose names are written in this book of life will live. Let me ask you, is your name written in that book? Do you know for sure? You're prepared to meet with God. My friend, death is not some way down the road. Death could be at a moment. So you fear God. You acknowledge Him. You worship Him. You obey Him. And you're prepared to stand before Him. Solomon said, you want to live a meaningful life. Then here's what you do. You remember God when you're young. Don't give Him the rest of your life. Give Him the best of your life. And follow his prompting. Follow and don't kick against the ghost. Don't waste your time resisting the Almighty. And be prepared to meet him. That's the summation. Won't you bow your heads with me for just a moment? You say, well, how do I know if my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? That's a really important question. That is maybe the most important question you can ask. And the way that your name is written in the book of life is when you respond by faith to the gospel. See, the gospel is very simple. The gospel is simply this, that God created you to know him and to walk with him in a deep and personal and intimate way. He created you for purpose and to live out that purpose and to glorify him in it. And yet we have all sinned against God. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. We've rejected him. We've glorified other things. We've rebelled against him. And that's why he sent Jesus. That Jesus, God's son, came for one reason, and that was to show us the love of the Father and to pay for our sin. And on the cross, Jesus Christ was stretched out on that cross and he died in your place for your sin. His body was the payment for our sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He was buried and he rose again from the dead on the third day, just as he said he would. And he offers now forgiveness and new life and purpose and meaning and eternal life to anyone who will turn to him by faith. So let me ask you, do you know? Do you know for sure that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know for sure that you've given your life to Christ? Is there a moment in time when you said yes to God? Yes to the gospel, yes to Christ. And if not, then right now is your moment, right now is your opportunity. You may not have another, but
but this is your opportunity. So with your heads bowed before God, if you want to give your life to Christ, if right now your heart is beating, the Spirit of God is saying, that's you, that's you, that's, this is what you need. Now is the time that I want you to pray the simple prayer with me. God will hear you. God knows your heart. Just pray the simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I have gone my own way. I've not given you the best of my life. And I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Lord, I turn from my sin. And I turn to follow you. And right now, I choose to trust you. I choose to follow you. I choose to obey you for the rest of my life. Thank you for your unfailing love for me. I just with your heads bowed, maybe you've given your life to Christ, but and you're a believer, but you've not been living life following the Lord. Maybe he's been prodding you and urging you and convicting you and you've been kicking against him resisting him you've not been living your life with a sense of urgency that heaven and hell is real and things in the balance you've not been giving your best to God then right now say Lord whatever you want me to do my answer is yes whatever you lead me to do my answer is yes whatever even if it's hardship and suffering God my answer to you is yes I want to give you all that I am why don't you just pray that to him right now?